In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Back in the uh, late 90s, when we were still young and foolish, Dr. Schumacher and I each received from the good people at Cigar Aficionado magazine invitations to one of their big smoke promotional events in downtown Chicago, back in the day when you could still smoke in downtown Chicago. For a mere $150 per person, we could spend an entire evening at a posh hotel, eating fine food, drinking fine bourbons and scotches, and collecting well over 50 fine cigars each. Well, it was just too good an offer to refuse, so we bought our tickets, we reserved a hotel room. Like two hobbits, we darted and dodged our way across the seminary campus trying to avoid the ever-vigilant gaze of the Dean of Academic Affairs. We filled up Schumacher's old Dodge Caravan with gas and we went off on our five-hour road trip to the Windy City. When we got there, we parked the minivan in the underground garage. We took the escalators up to the hotel ballroom and we arrived just as the doors were swinging open to let us in. There before us stretched scores of inviting displays and heaping banquet tables from which we could choose for ourselves some of the choicest foods, the choicest drinks, and the choicest cigars known to man. It was like heaven on earth. It was like what's going on in our text for today. And then you begin to vapor lock and say, wait, wait, whoa, a cigar aficionado's big smoke is nothing like what's going on in our text for today. That wedding banquet happens all by divine grace, you say. There were no ticket fees, no fuel costs, there are no lodging expenses because it's all free. It's all gift. It's all grace. And the king said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I first invited did not come. Go to the street corners and invite anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. So you see, you say, It is solely by the grace and love and mercy of the king that the wedding hall is filled. He does all the work. He bears all the costs. And besides, you say, there may be fine food and there may be fine drink, but there's absolutely nothing about fine cigars in the text. The big smoke and the wedding banquet are not at all alike. Okay, fair enough. There certainly are differences between the two events. But I would still maintain that they both happen by grace. In the text, of course, it's obvious. I mean, you can almost see all of the king's servants dressed in T-shirts that read, Where did all these tacky people come from? Because it's quite clear that none of the guests deserve to be there. They have been. Now strike that. We have been brought 
into the wedding hall by grace, by God's riches at Christ's expense. But the big smoke happened by grace as well. True, there were ticket costs and fuel costs and hotel costs, but that was the easy part of the deal. Schumacher and I had no trouble taking care of that at all. It was by spousal grace, therefore, that 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 evening happened because the big smoke was an impossibility for us until our wives said we could go. So there we were, eating fine food, sipping well-aged amber-colored liquids from the highlands and islands of Scotland, sending huge billows of aromatic smoke wafting heavenward like incense. Then it happened. A bevy of stunningly beautiful and enticingly clad young women, some of whom had to have been surgically enhanced in strategic places, These women sashayed into the banquet hall in order to mingle, converse, and be photographed with all the guests at the big smoke. That's when I remembered how in the back of every issue of Cigar Aficionado magazine, they run pictures of these events with guests uh, uh, posing with uh, these young women. And I thought to myself, cool, we could get our our pictures published in a periodical that's distributed all over the world. So let's go get our pictures taken, I said to Schumacher. We'll be famous. At which point he reached out in an evangelical kind of way, grabbed my ear, and pulled me back. And as he dope slapped me, he spoke the truth in love. What are you thinking, he said. Are you crazy? We'll never get to go to another one of these things again. That's when the light went on. That's when I got it. You see, if a picture of one of us with one of these women was ever taken and got into print, that would have dishonored our wives in a big way. That would have abused the grace that got us to the big smoke in the first place. And abusing that grace would have turned a wonderful event into a very terrible and tragic event. Instead of having fond memories of that evening, we'd be haunted by it to this very day. And all because we would have abused the grace and dishonored the ones who made the banquet possible in the first place. That is what the man not wearing wedding clothes is doing in our text. He abuses the king's grace and he dishonors both the king and his son. When you study this text, you soon find that there's a pretty heavy debate going on among scholars about where those wedding garments come from in the parable and what they represent. 
Are they handed out by the host to all the guests as a gift? Do they therefore represent the righteousness of Christ and are graciously being clothed in Christ? Or are those wedding garments procured by the guests themselves and worn as a loving and honor-giving response to being graciously invited to and included in the wedding feast? Take your pick. Either one is fine. It doesn't make that much difference because what this parable is doing, what this parable is telling us and warning us about is that we all have the capacity to mess up our place at the wedding feast by abusing the grace that got us here, by dishonoring the king who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, by forgetting what it cost him to bring us in and who it is that paid that price in our place. And since I know from this parable and from personal experience that I have the capacity to mess up my place in the wedding feast, give me Jesus. For he has said, and I have heard him promise, that if I follow him, that if I listen to him, that if I look to him, that if I live in him, that if I cling to him, that if I receive his body, that if I receive his blood, he will forgive my sins and he will never let me go. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will never let me go. Come to me, he says. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I am the way and the truth and the life, he says. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed, he says. Jesus is the one thing needful because he goes to his Father's house to prepare a place for us, and he will come back and take us to be with him in the feast that never ends, that we also may be where he is. So give me Jesus because I have the capacity to mess up my place in the banquet. Give me Jesus. In the words of the old spiritual, you can have all this world. You can have all this world. You can have all this world. But give me Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.